Welcome back. We are going to do another podcast short where we just spent a little bit of time talking about uh, just a, a quick subject that we want to dialogue for for a moment. So today's topic is uh, a time where we have changed our mind on kind of a big, hairy theological issue. We want to normalize being uh, learners and being open to thinking and changing, not being kind of rigidly locked into all of our views all the time. Before God and, and with Scripture and in community, we want to uh, practice learning and all the humility and joy that comes with that. So, AJ, I'll throw it out to you. Uh, can you describe a time in your life where you kind of went through a major shift in your theology or thinking uh, and uh, kind of what led to that? Yeah. Well, um, I, I would be, I would want to be the quickest advocate for the idea that I want my theology to be shaped only by Scripture and mm-hmm. Scripture alone. But the truth of the matter is, our experiences do shape uh, what we think. And, and I actually, yes. the, I think the most they do shape um, the way we approach our thought about God. I don't think we should shape everything we think about God around our experiences. But um, the Trump election in 2016 had a big impact on me. I was pastoring uh, in Portland at the time and was doing my best to lead the church through. Um, the election after uh, Trump had won in 2016, which was a very challenging time to be in Portland in general, but all of them were leading a congregation that was quite diverse through uh, that. And I think um, I had a crisis of all things in my theology of God's sovereignty. Hmm. Um, I think before the election, I would have said, God is sovereign. Yeah. And by that, I what I really meant was, Christians shouldn't get involved in politics. Oh, okay. So if God is sovereign, that means we have a very passive view of the political world. And it was actually a chance reading of Paul in, I want to say, 2 Corinthians. I could pull my text up here. But where Paul says, he's speaking of the kingdom of this era, the kingdom of darkness, mm. kingdom of, and he says, Satan, who controls the world. Yeah. Um, and I did a word study, and the Bible is absent of language of God controlling the world. Mm. It's actually the demonic that controls the present world that we are in. Sure. Um, that does not mean God is not sovereign. God has actually given over to the powers of darkness freedom to reign and rule in this current crisis, this mm-hmm. current moment that we are in. And um, I realized uh, after—this was the moment. I had an epiphany after the election that— God was also sovereign during the Holocaust. Wow. Yeah. And that me- what, what I mean by that is um, God was as much Lord during the Holocaust as he always has been. The problem was not God's inactivity. The problem was the church was not the church. Mm. And so I think for the longest time, I used, and I'm saying this vulnerably, I used the sovereignty of God as a hall pass to yeah. not enter in. And I see now that the sovereignty of God is not permission to be absent or disengaged. God is actually asking us to be engaged and to be his viceroys, right? to be his ambassadors, and to bring about the flourishing of life that he desires. But he's not going to do it unilaterally. He desires to work through his people. God could have gone to Moses. God could have gone to Pharaoh all alone, but he didn't. He went through Moses. And I think in the same way, God is working through, you know, someone could say, you know, why is God not intervening? And I would say, he's trying to through his people. Right. 
He is intervening. Just So my theology of God's sovereignty shifted from God is sovereign, I don't have to be engaged, to God is sovereign, that is why I'm engaged. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize you were such a heretic before. Yeah. I'm a work in progress, man. Again, spiritual direction got me through. All right, honest question, though. Does that mean you didn't vote before those elections? Um, I voted to... I voted quietly, but I, I will tell you this. I never preached on politics, okay. and I never preached on, uh, on, on, on things related to sort of social change and whatnot. And, and truthfully, if I was to get up and preach on politics, everyone in the room would be offended. So it, yeah. it wouldn't help anybody long-term if I got up and just spouted off what I thought. I, what, what changed for me, though, was I saw now— Human agency. We, yes. We are salt. Yeah. In this earth, and yeah. and we are not intended to be in the soul shaker. In the words of Rebecca Pipper, with that book years ago, yeah. we are meant to be in the world as God's agents and God's ambassadors. And when the church deflects, the third Reich comes about. And I'm not equating the third Reich with Trump. I am saying uh, that um, the church is called to be involved as the ambassadors of God in this world. Sure, yep. absolutely. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So sovereignty, God. Okay, Nijay. Last time you were wrong. And now you're right. What's the last thing you change your mind on theologically? <laughs> All right. I, I mean, I want to go juicy here, so I'm not going to do like little tidbits. I'm going to go big. So circa 2007, <laughs> um, I'm in my PhD program. You know, you have to remember, I was, by that time, I'd only been a Christian still for just 10 years. So I didn't know a lot outside of just my narrow area of New Testament studies. And uh, I'm going to talk about um, creation versus evolution in my mind, my mind shift on that. Uh, If you had to ask me before 2007, you know, what my views were, they would not have been a well-studied view. I was afraid to study the issue because I didn't want to come out on the wrong side, but I would have put on paper, I am a creationist or whatever, six day, you know, however young earth or whatever. And not because I was hugely convicted by that, not because I'd spent done the work on Genesis, but because I felt like that was the right answer in the circles that I was in. Mm. And I remember I was in, in England, and my pastor is a, was a woman, and her husband was a theologian who's also a scientist. His name is David Wilkinson, mm. wonderful guy, great theologian. And I was sitting with him, and we were talking about the Bible and science, and he talks about... He talked about just personally some of his views in evolution, and I stopped him and I said, "Wait, you believe in evolution?" And he looked at me like I was crazy, and he says, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Well, if you know, if I were in America and I were you know had a job like yours because he was the head of one of the colleges, I would have been fired for believing that, like mm. at a Christian college." And he says, "You Americans," and in that moment, I realized that this was a geographic issue. Mm, mm. That was the first time in my mind that I thought, this is a spat that comes from American history, mm. and this isn't a spat that's happening in the same way all over the world. And so he explained how in quote-unquote evangelical churches in the UK, um, the vast majority are you know, theist, some form of you know, theistic evolution where There are these scientific processes, but God is still behind it. You can find some way to connect Genesis to uh, that scientific perspective of evolution. And it never occurred to me before that that was possible. I just had in my mind, evolution is super liberal and therefore wrong. Mm. And creation is conservative and therefore must be right. Mm. And I didn't really study it because I didn't want to change my mind or anything like that. But 
David inadvertently, thank you, David, got me on the track of really just saying, can I study a way for there to be some sense between what the scientific community says about origins, age of the earth and all that, and also what's in scripture. And um, yeah, I, I, I just really value uh, th- scholars like Tim Keller, I think, uh, started down this road, uh, you know, a handful of years ago, 10 years ago, or whatever it was. Um, but, you know, for the longest time, I just uh, was afraid to even think about it uh, because of how I might be branded or ousted or whatever based on that. But just sometimes you have to leave your culture. You have to go into another community to kind of get outside of some of the spats and infighting of your own mm-hmm. group mm-hmm. in order to be able to see a bigger perspective. Yeah. Well, I I love um, uh, one of the last books that uh, Augustine ever wrote was Retractations. His book, his retract, his he's retracting all the things he was wrong about. And this was very common in the ancient world. The last book you'd write would be okay. I've written a lot. I was wrong about all this stuff. Wow. And I don't know. I don't know why. But for in the Christian culture that you and I live in, to admit ways you've been wrong is a sign that you're wrong. But in reality, actually. Ironically, in the Christian faith, we have a word for that called repentance. The sign you're on the right track is your willingness to acknowledge you've been on the wrong track. Yeah, that's odd, and I think it's okay for us to name times that we've been like, "I was wrong." I'm right. Here's what's weird: we're probably both wrong now, and in about twenty years, we're gonna be like, "Oh, we're we're right then." Yeah. Anyways, thanks for sharing your foolishness, and I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that uh, you've been wrong about something in your past, and you as well. Yeah. <laughs>